Now, if you've been in, if you're an Illinois Derm PA person, you've heard this lecture last year, so uh, just forewarn you. Uh, this is about immunobullous, um, uh, the, the blistering diseases. I like blistering diseases. Uh, and there's my crazy dog again. <laughs> so this is a, a good picture because it shows edema, erythema, um, small vesicles, ebola, because uh, a vesicle is small, a bulla is big, and then it also shows a denuded uh, blister where you see the blister uh, rooftop sitting right there. And the diseases involved in this are pemphigus, bullus pemphigoid, herpes, uh, well, pemph pemphigoid gestationis, uh, dermatitis herpetiformis, linear IgA, bullus lupus, and epidermolysis bullosa. Uh, so pemphigus is the most life-threatening. That's the one when they make fun of me in the hospital, I just say, oh, I'm seeing a pemphigus patient, because that's the, the life-threatening thing that we used to have to see. Um, and it's a group of autoimmune uh, diseases affecting the skin and mucous membranes, and there's uh, several types. There's vulgaris, vegetans, foliaceous, the drug-induced type, perineoplastic, and IgA pemphigus. And like I said, prior to steroids, there was a high mortality rate. Uh, all have oral lesions. Uh, uh, they can have buccal or palatine mucosa lesions, uh, throat involvement. They can have hoarseness and difficulty swallowing. Uh, they can develop uh, the rare esophageal sloughing, eye lesions, genital erosions. Um, they often don't have scars, but you'll see them with areas of hyperpigmentation. And then if you ever take any boards, it's the Nikolsky sign is the upper layers move laterally with pressure and the Asbo-Hansen sign uh, where um, direct pressure on the boy spreads the fluid laterally. So what you see on pathology is the superbasilar acantholysis without keratinocyte necrosis. So it's the row of tombstones, if any of you all look at your pathology. And attached to the hemidesmosomes and you do see a few eosinophils. So, the thing you want to do is biopsy an early lesion or the edge of an active lesion. So this is a really good picture of, of pemphigus. You can see different areas of erosions. Uh, not a lot of good blisters, but you'll often see the blister kind of at the edge. And this is uh, where they show the tombstone effect uh, here of the uh, epidermis uh, and the sloughing occurring. And if, again, um, there's any uh, board exams, uh, it's IgG against the cell surface keratinocytes. Um, it inhibits the function of desmoglians, leading to the loss of cell-to-cell -cell adhesions, and then the blisters form. And these are all uh, a form that's out of Bologna if you need this for any uh, uh, type of exam. I, I hate it. I don't um, pay much attention to this stuff anymore because I don't have to take that test anymore. <laughs> um, uh, pemphigus vulgaris uh, on immunofluorescence. You can see all the uh, immunostaining uh, throughout the uh, stratum corneum there. And then this is a great picture of the hyperpigmentation that you're going to see with pemphigus. Sometimes these patients come in and they don't have very much. They say, oh, you know, everybody calls everything a blister. I'm sure you've noticed that. I don't care what it is, it's a blister. And uh, so it's, it's hard to define from patients, but this hyperpigmentation is pretty perfect for pemphigus. And this is the same gentleman. This is a patient that um, I've seen down at Rush with the residents. Uh, 
these are some oral lesions, some oral mucosa lesions there on the, or, uh, underneath the teeth, one on the side of the tongue, so always look inside the mouth. Uh, pemphigus vegetans, this is a rare um, reactive pattern of um, pemphigus vulgaris. They get these fungoid uh, papillomatous vegetations, especially in the intertriginous area. And uh, they can also appear as pustules. And this is, I had a lady come in with this in my office, and you walk in the door, she had it in her groin, and you can smell pseudomonas from the door. Uh, they're often very much infect, secondary infected with candida and pseudomonas. Uh, so this is a gentleman where he gets this hypertrophic thickening in these scars, and this is really a very vegetans person. Um, these patients more frequently uh, will look like this person, because like I say, this you can just see, it's kind of almost greeny. You can see the pseudomonas -y look. Uh, Pemphigus foliaceus, this, these are very subtle. This is often misdiagnosed as uh, sometimes. Uh, actually, the erythematosus one is too, but it's these scaly crusted erosions on an erythematous base, face, scalp, upper trunk. Uh, no mucosal lesions with this, and these often are, um, kind of have a burning and a stinging sensation, and these people are not sick. Uh, you see acanthalysis in the upper dermis, um, and neutrophils or eos in the blister cavity. So this, you can see, is on the chest, and uh, again, it's in that seborrhea-type area, and it's just this erythema with this peeling. So it's just something to, to think about, putting your differential when you see people with something like that. This is also on the back, um, very greasy-looking kind of scale on the upper mid-back. Uh, so, um, but you, if you did this, you'd almost be able to just push that scale right off and slough it off. So the split is very high in pemphigus foliaceus. That's why it is not a, a deep lesion. Uh, Perineoplastic pemphigus. This is 42% um, in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, 29% in CLL, uh, thymomas, Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. The big thing with perineoplastic pemphigus, the hallmark is this intractable stomatitis. Their mouths are just a mess and they can get the severe pseudomembranous conjunctivitis. Uh, the, the skin presentations vary, so the pathology kind of varies with those, but they can have some keratinocyte necrosis um, with lymphs in the, in the epidermis. The drugs that are big with this are, again, the, the captopril, uh, penicillamine, and uh, the autoantibodies are the same as the regular pemphigus. And, um, the drugs can induce acanthalysis, oftentimes even without, some drugs can with, without any antibody formation. And they feel it has to do with this sulfhydryl group. And again, remove the offending drug. So this is what this, this mouth, these mouth lesions look like. Very necrotic crusting on the lips. Pemphigus erythematosus, uh, Sinir Usher, this is a localized fo uh, foliaceous. And it's, again, it's on the malar face and other seborrheic areas. Uh, then there's an IgA pemphigus. This is a tissue-bound and circulating IgA autoantibody against the epidermal cells. Uh, average age is 48 years old, um, and you can have two different types, a subcorneal pustular dermatosis type and an intraepidermal neutrophilic type. These are often itchy, and they will have what they call a sunflower configuration, and they also like the intertriginous areas. Um, 
because there are more uh, neutrophils in this type of uh, eruption, that's why the DAP zone works very well for this. And these are actually out of Bologna. This is the same, uh, these are these uh, IgA type um, uh, pemphigus lesions and they're, they remind you of linear IgA to a degree. And this is the treatment. Uh, obviously, I feel prednisone is the uh, treatment of choice for pemphigus to start with. And then um, most patients will be put on a steroid sparing drug. I am kind of the old-fashioned person that uses uh, Imuran, but uh, I am trying to use Celset more in these folks. So this is uh, all the uh, dosages for that, which is out of Bologna. Bullous pemphigoid is often in the elderly, although there's a childhood form. Six to seven cases per million per year. I really feel there's more than that. Um, these have, people have chronic flares and remissions. When I get called to the nursing home to go see a patient and they have itchy blisters, they always have this. Uh, tense, pyritic bullae, flexor areas, very symmetrical, loves the groin, uh, loves the armpits. And there is actually, I did have a patient with a pre-tibial type of bullous pemphigoid, which I had personally never heard of. And you can also have one where they get it around the stoma of their uh, col colostomy. Uh, but my gentleman with the pre-tibial, I just thought he had uh, like stasis dermatitis. But then when I got all the water out of him and he wasn't, uh, he still had, was getting these bullae. So... I always now um, think of that when I see these pretibial uh, blisters. That's the only place he had them on his entire body. 10 to 30% of these folks will have oral cavity involvement and 50% will have um, uh, peripheral bloody synophilia. Uh, if, as we said before, um, if it's a younger person, I might think of looking for, um, you know, a cancer, uh, excuse me, I might look for a drug uh, if the, uh, uh, patient is um, also young, I might look for a cancer. You do an H&E biopsy from the edge of the lesion, and then you do a immuno from the perilesional skin, and you're going to see the fine linear continuous IgG and or C3 at the basement membrane 95% of the time. And 60 to 80% of the patients will have circulating basement membrane autoantibodies of IgG in their blood. So these are great pictures of bullous pemphigoid. Um, I find that on the feet and on the hands, they are very hemorrhagic uh, many times, which, again, can be alarming to the patient, but I, I see that a lot on the feet and hands. Um, this is a, a good case on the left. It's, they're a little bit more flaccid, but you can see the bullet and uh, a close-up uh, picture. So you, sometimes you have to look kind of close for the blisters. This is a great picture of bullous pemphigoid. Now, the one on the right is more rashy. It looks very eczema looking. So on an older patient that has a rash, or even I have a couple older people that just itch and they have excoriations, not neurotic excoriations, just little areas of dermatitis and excoriations, I, I often think of bullous pemphigoid. I've had some people... <laughs> I've had some people, a um, couple older people that had itches, itches, itches. I couldn't figure out a couple years why they were itching, why they were itching. And then they came in with bullous pemphigoid. I'm like, you know, you probably had bullous pemphigoid the last two years. So in an older patient, I often will, even though I don't see a blister, I'll get immunofluorescence because I'm very suspicious for like an occult BP. Here's that urticarial bullous pemphigoid again, which you see more often with drugs. Uh, so... 
I think of BP a lot. This is a great blister. You can see it's nice if you can get, if you do the H&E, you can get the whole blister in the punch. It really gives the pathologist a great specimen. Subepidermal blister with dermal infiltrative EOs and newts. So also, uh, if I see any eosinophils, I, I'm suspicious of uh, uh, the uh, bolus pemphigoid. And then this is the uh, immunofluorescence. Uh, this is linear deposition of the IgG along the epidermal basement membrane zone. So treatment for Bell's pemphigoid. I do prednisone and then uh, when I start him on the prednisone, I check a G6PD right away because I am a Dapsone person, despite many problems I've had with Dapsone. I had a lady whose white count went down to 300 on Dapsone. <laughs> and she's alive and well, thank God. Uh, but um, uh, Dapsone is a great drug for that. You just have to have your G6PD and you have to check your blood frequently. Uh, Imuran can also be used, Celset, methotrexate. For those little old people in the nursing home that are on a million medicines and DIG and Coumadin, uh, I will put them on nicotinamide and um, tetracycline. And I have to say I'm surprised at how often that works in my senior population because they also have diabetes and I don't want them on prednisone and I can't get blood work frequently for the Dapsone. So I use a lot of this old-fashioned treatment from University of Chicago for bolus pemphigoid. Cicatricial pemphigoid is rare. Uh, it's a chronic autoimmune blistering disorder of the external mucous surfaces and it scars. So oral lesions about 85% of the time. Um, in 80, these people often don't have anything on the skin, they just have it in the mucous membrane area. And uh, bilateral eyes are often involved as well as the nasopharyngeal and esophageal. Rarely is it in the genital or anal area. For the immunofluorescence, you want to biopsy about three to five millimeters from the lesion. Uh, you can treat with topical or intralesional steroids, obviously um, not in the eye. Dapsone is a good drug for this, and a lot of the eye doctors will use uh, cyclophosphamide. Um, the systemic steroids are um, less effective for this than the regular pemphigoid. So Dapsone is probably the, my treatment of choice for this. These are oral lesions on the, in the mouth, and then this is kind of hard to see, but there's almost a little fibrous strand from the conjunctiva to the uh, palpebral area of the eye there, and that is uh, the scarring tissue that can occur in the eye. Uh, herpes gestationis, this is intensely pruritic. Uh, vesicular bullous eruption during late pregnancy or the immediate postpartum period. These folks have an increased risk of prematurity uh, with their babies and low birth weight. 50% of these lesions are present around the umbilicus and they rapidly progress. Um, though very unusual to get them in the palms, soles, mucous membranes. 10% um, of the time, the uh, newborns can have this, and these people do need to be treated with the, uh, the prednisone. Uh, and this is a, some good cases of, uh, when you look at this at first, this, I thought this was this lady's nipple, but it's her um, belly. <laughs> and you can see these uh, <laughs> circular um, lesions and uh, the little blisters uh, at the edge. Uh, this is hard because pup can come in and these people can have these urticarial edematous pup lesions and you're like, oh gosh, is this herpes gestationis? So uh, at least when I was a res, I haven't seen any of this at all since I've been in practice. Um, pemphigoid gestationis, uh, the H&E is similar to bolus pemphigoid. 
Uh, immuno uh, shows C3 with or without IgG. Um, there's a linear band of it along the basement membrane zone of perilesional skin. And the indirect immunofluorescence uh, with complement added always reveals circulating anti-basement membrane zone IgG. So um, I love dermatitis herpetiformis. I think it's fun because you can diagnose this in people that have had something for a long time. Uh, 90% of these people will have bowel changes on the scope from inflammation in the small intestine to uh, atrophy of the villa, villi, but 20% um, have, only 20% really have symptomatic bowel disease. I do not have a lot of people that have bowel disease. Uh, although I don't know if you've all noticed, but I feel like um, gluten sensitivity is the new uh, buzz diagnosis lately for everybody. Everybody wants to have that. Uh, it's usually a lifelong condition. They get symmetrical, small group lesions. It loves the elbows, the knees, the buttocks, the forearms, intensely pruritic. If you can get a patient to come in with a blister, you're blessed. So when I think of this, when I, in my brain, I'm thinking this might be it. I go, the next time you get what you think is a blister, I will come in and see you. I'll get you in. I want to see that without you touching it. So if you see hemorrhagic crusts, big suspicion. So this is on the, the patient's uh, backside. Um, and actually, this first patient, the, the buttock lesion, I mean, this is sometimes what I'll think of, too, with bullous pemphigoid. I'll think, you know, this person, there's something that's been here that has these little necrotic scabs. So I just have a high incidence of suspicion with this. And this knee person, this is perfect for it. Uh, this is a close-up of the elbow, just little small excoriations. Because in reality, if people have neurotic excoriations, they're going to have them on their delt up in their arms up here, on their upper back where they can reach. I mean, the elbows and the knees, not a big place for neurotic excoriation. So I always say try to think of it. This is a perfect blister, perfect blister. So and that was uh, on my patient that has dermatitis herpetiformis. Uh, this is a patient that was a patient of mine, and he said he went to Florida. This is his picture. He gave me this picture. <laughs> And he had been diagnosed with dermatitis herpetiformis. And I said, I cannot believe it. I mean, these are huge, confluent bullae. Um, and that's, he got me the path results and everything, and that, that's what he has. So he was a, a very impressive uh, DH person. So you try to, like I say, um, get that biopsy, and you see all these little newts in the papillary um, uh, dermis with edema, and they call them neutrophilic microabscesses. Uh, granular IgA in the dermal papillae 85% of the time. And you biopsy in normal appearing skin immediately adjacent to a lesion. Uh, serum anti-endomesial antibodies um, are very specific for celiac disease, about 95% specific. Um, and uh, 80% of the time you can see them in patients with dermatitis herpetiformis. Um, this level can also determine the patient's uh, gluten compliance uh, with their diet. I do not get very many people that want to do the uh, diet when they have dermatitis herpetiformis, although it's gotten much better. I mean, restaurants, everybody's got gluten-free food now. I, I don't know how great it tastes, but everybody's got it. So I mostly have patients, I, I treat a lot of people with Dapsone with this, and uh, they will get relief within a couple days of just starting the Dapsone. I do have also a couple people um, on sulfapyridine. 
um, uh, for this, and that works well also. That is a kind of an orphan drug. Uh, Jacobus Pharmaceuticals carries it, and so you can actually get that for free for the patients. They will send it to you for free. And that's if the patient uh, has problems like with uh, peripheral neuropathy, with the Dapsone, or any side effect from the Dapsone. Uh, linear IgA disease, adults and children. Adults, uh, oftentimes they're older. They're, again, with those pictures we saw with the string of pearls. Um, clinically, it can mimic um, dermatitis herpetiformis or bullous pemphigoid. Histopathologically, it looks like dermatitis herpetiformis. So they get this linear IgA deposition at uh, the basement membrane zone. Uh, some of them can have celiac disease, and they can, some have a malignancy as well with linear IgA. I know we had talked about drugs, uh, but, um, so that's the little string of pearls picture we saw. And that's the same slide. So drugs are 90% of the time when you get the linear IgA disease. Uh, this is a little um, synopsis on Dapsone. It's a sulfone antibiotic um, related um, uh, but it's not an amide, so it's uh, not uh, the same as a sulfonamide. Uh, it loves to attack neutrophils and um, is lipophilic, so that's why dermatologists use Dapsone a lot. And before Accutane was invented, that is why they use Dapsone for really severe acne. So it likes to go into the oil glands and it likes to attack the neutrophils. Dose-related problems, um, you can get a hemolytic anemia, so you have to make sure the patients have uh, their enzyme levels. And you check CBCs and a retic count. I start low. I, I'm sure a lot of you have the book by Wolverton, which is Systemic uh, Drugs and Dermatology. It's a great book because it, for every drug that we use, it will give you a graph of when you should get your blood test, what you should get, etc. So it's, it's by Wolverton. And uh, so you can follow the CBCs and the retic count. You can get a met hemoglobinemia. Um, I, uh, I do not get a blood gas anymore. I, I never did. And then one of the doctors that I work with at Rush was, says, oh, I get them occasionally. And um, I thought, I better do that. So I did that on a couple people, and, you know, it was, it was elevated. <laughs> but they were not symptomatic, their met hemoglobin levels. So I... Um, then asked the chairman, I said, how often do you, check, do you check this? He goes, oh, I've never checked it. I said, great. So I only check it if they are short of breath, uh, if they have chest pain, if they're on a high dose. And the other problem is uh, the peripheral neuropathy can also be dose-related, but is often more idiosyncratic. And then like the agranulocytosis problem I told you about, I, I had checked their initially the first couple months, I checked their level every two weeks, their CBC and their retic count, and this lady had had a CBC and retic five days before her, uh, she went to the um, emergency room with a horrible sore throat, and she had candida all down her uh, throat because her white cell count was 300. So she was otherwise well. They promptly got her out of the hospital so that she wouldn't get sick and took her off the Dapsone. And then you can also get a hypersensitivity reaction, like an allergic reaction to it. Uh, bullous lupus. I surprisingly see a number of these people. Um, they're often young black females, and they get vesicles and bulla that on H&E resemble dermatitis herpetiformis um, with a neutrophilic subepidermal infiltrate or basal layer of vacuolization. And IgG and C3 are on the epidermal basement membrane, 
and it's in a linear or granular-like band, and their ANA is positive. So I have one girl right now that I am treating with. Um, uh, she got, she got uh, methemoglobinemia from the Dapsone, so I took her off that. So she is actually in a very low dose of prednisone now and uh, Plaquenil. But this is a lady with a bullous lupus. This is kind of hard to appreciate. She has some um, like on her face and on her chest. Uh, this, oh yeah, there's a little one on her face just in her right nasolabial fold there, a little um, bulla, little blister. This is a guy that was admitted to the emergency room, um, lived on the streets, dr a drug user, and uh, this was, I biopsied this, and this was all uh, bullous lupus as well, um, although he was pretty uh, kind of secondarily infected there. Uh, this is my uh, other patient. I actually thought she had linear eye a disease. She has bullous lupus. Her mouth was just raw. Her hands and feet peeled off. She had these circular, almost ring-like uh, blisters all over, um, especially around the nipples. I wish I had taken a picture of that. And uh, she uh, has a bullous lupus um, from her path and from her immunofluorescence. Uh, inherited epidermolysis bullosa and Haley Haley. I'm definitely not a big expert on epidermolysis bullosa, um, but there are uh, many clinical distinctive disorders um, that uh, they share a genetic transmission. They all have mechanical fragility of the skin and they um, have blister formation. So the three major forms of inherited EB are the simplex, uh, junctional, and dystrophic. And the treatment is really difficult. These people have to have um, uh, trauma prevention and treat any infected areas. Uh, but the problem is they just touch things and uh, they scar. Uh, EBA is a rare acquired subepidermal bullous disease. Uh, IgG to type 7 collagen, um, which is a major component to the anchoring fibrils in the basement membrane. So they just can't keep their basement mem membrane zone together. And this presents as an adult. It's not inflammatory. They get, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, blisters that heal on the uh, feet with atrophic scarring and hands with milia, and they have hypo and hyperpigmentation. 20% of the time, these folks can get uh, lesions on the scalp, uh, but not uh, really in the oral, the ocular um, lesions. And there also has been an association with Crohn's disease. Uh, the H&E subepidermal cleavage without acantholysis with minimal cell infiltrate. So the immuno is done a perilesional skin and it demonstrates IgG in a continuous broad linear staining on the dermal side of the basement membrane zone. So 50% will have anti-basement membrane zone antibodies on indirect immunofluorescence and those in the serum you can get IgG or IgA antibodies. So this is a good uh, photo of uh, like the scarring and the milia that you can see on the knuckles and on the hands, uh, lesions on the skin and in the mouth. Uh, this is epidermolysis simplex in a baby, a little blister on the chin. Uh, this is the hands and the feet. Um, these kids really have a problem for life. Haley Haley. I have several patients with Haley Haley and you just, again, have to think of it. Just when that patient comes in and you treat them for that intertrigo yeast infection, just think, hmm, I, I always say, do other people in your, if, especially if it's a kind of a, a younger person, I always ask if somebody else in the family has it. 
Um, it's a reduction in proteins needed for the cell-to-cell -cell adhesion in the epidermis, and it usually starts in the second or third decade. Uh, in heterogeneous areas, they get very hard to see the vesicle. They usually just have this kind of raw erythematous, and this is often, again, secondarily infected with yeast or bacteria. Uh, heat and sweating can really aggravate it. Um, they get a beautiful pathology of what they call the dilapidate, dilapidated brick wall. And these folks are treated with many things, topical steroids, antimicrobials, antifungals. There's reports of topical uh, cyclosporin. Botox has been used for the sweating um, treatment because sweating and heat and rubbing is, and these people are often a little bit on the heavier side. Oh, last but not least, I went through this one fast. Um, this is a great, I don't know where you all send your uh, uh, slides, but um, this is a uh, great, uh, this is from Butner and they are in New York, and this is, uh, you send your, pa I send my immuno here, and you have the results back in 48 hours at the latest. And I love this little chart. I always refer to it or show it to my nurse or my PA and say, okay, this is where we, because I, I forget myself. I'm like, you know, where was it? There are all these blistering diseases, so this is a great thing to refer to, uh, to tell you where to biopsy. And they do very nice work. Um, I guess that's it. Okay, um, any questions? What dosage of the Dapsone do you use for the bolus pemphigoid? I use, um, well, I do 25 milligrams for two weeks, and then I check a CBC and a retic, and then I do 50 milligrams for two weeks. I, I try to get them, you know, it just kind of depends on how they respond. As they're going down on the prednisone, they're going up on the Dapsone. That's what I was going to ask next. you do it combination yes. therapy, the yeah. prednisone? I, okay. I get them clear on the prednisone. I mean, I get them clear on the prednisone, mm -hmm. and I don't even start to taper the prednisone until there are no active blisters, okay. which is very hard. And, I mean, these people... You diagnose them, finally, you know, I had a lady with pemphigus in her vaginal area. Oh, my God, she could hardly walk. And you diagnose them, and you put them on the prednisone, and, you know, a week later, they are just, they love you. And I go, you're going to hate me in about a month <laughs> because this prednisone is not fun. And I have a great prednisone consent if anybody uh, wants it. I can tell them to put my email on the website. It tells you all the steroid side effects because those people are often on medication for a while, and a lot of people will put them on, uh, you know, uh, Fosamax or Actinel to uh, help their bones. So I kind of just go up gradually, and I try to, I usually have people on, on average, 75 to 100 milligrams of Dapsone to control their bullous pemphigoid. Great. You guys have fun tonight. <laughs>